so I recently got a job. Yay! I'll pause. Like, you know, you guys can applaud me. <laughs> Even though it's just a part-time job, I was like literally thrilled. <laughs> I haven't even applied to full-time jobs, if I'm being completely honest with you. The whole process makes me feel nauseated, so I will continue to not do that for now. But I was really happy about getting my job, and I was like thrilled. I was thrilled. But then when it was like time to start like actually working, I was like, oh, not me like actually having to like work now, like work hard and stuff. Like that's actually kind of gross. I might kind of want to go back to when I was unemployed and just painting all day, like and baking and reading and literally just like chilling. I mean, I got over it. Obviously, I got over it and I kind of like enjoying working now, but I thought it was just interesting because you kind of feel like once school is over, that feeling of being like the new kid is like over because you don't have any more like school to do. But it's like definitely not. When I walked into my job and I was like saying hello and trying to remember all the names of these people and I was like the new person and they like were established, like they knew the routines and all the answers to the questions that customers asked. And the customers would ask me questions and I'd be like, um, I'm new. Um, <laughs> I hate not having the answers to the questions. Anyway, today's episode is about book tropes. Now, the definition of a book trope mm, can be different things to different people. I mean, it's obviously they're all, all of them are going to vaguely mean the same thing. But I would describe a book trope as like a concept or a theme that you can recognize and kind of boil down to a couple words, um, which you'll get what I mean by that in a second. But I also, as usual, Googled the definition for everyone. Um, so on Google, there it says from this blog titled Writers Write, that tropes are literary devices that have been used so often that the reader will recognize them immediately. And I feel like that's so true. You know, you recognize it immediately. You know what's going on as soon as you, like when you're reading the book, you're like, oh my gosh, this is blank trope. Um, and I feel like these days tropes are everywhere. Like I literally cannot escape tropes. I see them on TikTok, BookTok. I see them on Instagram. I see them on YouTube. Like everyone who is interested in books is talking about tropes. And I feel like different people talk about tropes and use them differently. Obviously, authors talk about tropes. Publishers talk about tropes when they're marketing the book. Readers talk about tropes. It's just a lot. And I'm kind of getting a little sick of it, if I'm being <laughs> honest. But I thought in this episode, we could talk a little bit about the tropes that I hate, the tropes that I like, and the tropes that I could like kind of take or leave. Like I could take it or leave it. Um, sometimes they're good. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you didn't need to do all that. So let's start with tropes that I hate. Some tropes that I hate are awkwardly big age gaps. And like what I mean by that is like when it's a romance book and the age gap is like so big, like 10 plus years, 10, mm, t mm, 10. I would say 10 as a generalization. I mean, I feel like once you're hitting 12, that's like, ew, like you cradle robin at that point. <laughs> um, but there is like this this trope is very interesting because I feel like in some books like Sarah J Mass's books there are awkwardly big age gaps like centuries you know of between the male love interest and the female love interest but why does it feel different 
like why does it feel different like because is it because it's a fantasy book like why does it feel like not as icky as when it's like oh this is a romance book and the girl is falling in love with her father's best friend or her brother's best friend and the age gap is super big because of that or like the girl falls in love with the billionaire and the billionaire is like 15 years older than her like that feels like like i don't want to read that like that feels that feels kind of suspect especially when the father's best friend or the the brother's best friend had known her since she was like a child and they like I don't know like I feel like sometimes it's like well they didn't like her then and now they do now she's become a woman but it's like always feels kind of like icky a little bit um I don't know why it feels different in fantasy books maybe because you're bending so many rules that it's like you know okay I'll let that one slide as far as like the book not resembling real life because it's a whole different world but I feel like I should be I should also not like that too. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like I should also hate that just as much as I hate it when it occurs in like realistic fiction books. But for some reason I don't. I don't know. Maybe we'll deep dive that another time into <laughs> why I feel like that. The second trope that I hate is the amnesia trope. Like I hate it. I hate it when the character forgets conven like they forget. And it's like, oh my god, like, are we really doing this? Like, for real? Ugh, please, stop it. Stop it with the amnesia. But mm, I feel like an exception for this is K-dramas. Because <laughs> I feel like with K-dramas, like, it's a, basically a soap, like, it's basically a soap opera. You know, like, you, sometimes I go into some K-dramas wanting that exaggeration that dramatics that there's no way this could happen in real life like I just it's just entertaining and I know it couldn't it probably wouldn't happen in real life but I like it anyway because it's fun and entertaining and I don't take it as serious but when it's in like a romance book or like contemporary novel it feels like no like no like when I'm reading contemporary novel books or like romance books I want them to be most of the time I want them to be a book that I could believe, a story, a narrative that I could believe would happen in real life. Because I feel like a part of the allure of romance books is that it feels like, oh, like this could happen to me. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of inserting yourself into the story like a YN type thing. So onto the third trope that I hate. I hate this might be this is not a hot take this is not I hate the comic relief side characters that some books have and there's nothing wrong with having a character that is comic relief like for most of the book but I hate it when the character is reduced to only comic relief like they're not a dimensional character because I feel like comic relief characters have the most potential to be like have such a tragic backstory because the funniest people that I know are like traumatized <laughs> in life like you know what I'm saying like <laughs> I feel like trauma breeds comedy look give me a second listen to me for a second when I say this I feel like marginalized groups are always funnier than groups that are not marginalized and I think it's because of that thing where I just said trauma breeds comedy yeah not to say like you can't be funny unless you had trauma in your life or that whatever but I'm just saying like I feel like I've noticed that marginalized groups are funnier than groups that are not marginalized yeah <laughs> but so saying all that to say I'm saying that the comic relief side character 
it's probably probably going through some shit before they like were funny like that you know what i'm saying and tell me what it was like tell me why their story is so tragic tell me why their story is so infuriating like give me something that's i just i don't like it when they're two-dimensional and they're just like haha he he the moment was sad and now it's funny because they made a little joke like i feel like here okay i've got it i got what i'm trying to say comic relief characters should always be dimensional because i feel like if you are able to provide comic relief in moments of like very serious moments or very sad moments it kind of implies to me that you know how to navigate those tricky emotions and you know how to help others navigate those tricky emotions because you yourself have dealt with it which is i feel like why i said that marginalized groups are funnier that might be a hot take (laughs) anyway my fourth trope that i hate as a reader i do not like mafia books i know they're very popular right now here's the thing i have read a lot of mafia books (laughs) a lot of mafia romance books because they kept getting recommended to me. And I'm like, okay, people keep recommending this to me, so I might as well read it, see what all the fuss is about. And the first three books, I was like, oh my god, like, this is art. This is the best thing I've ever read. Now, keep in mind, I was going into these books with the same lens that I often go into, like, soapy K-dramas, where I was like, I expected it to be dramatic, I expected it to have romance, I expected it to just, you know, I wasn't taking it that seriously. Like, I wasn't like, evaluating it like a literary critic or anything like I just wanted to have a good time but like after the first couple mafia books like it just was like the same thing like it's just misogyny and it's just like a damsel in distress sometimes sometimes it's not a damsel in distress I recently read a mafia book where the woman was not a damsel in distress she was kind of like the mafia boss and that was interesting I did not finish that book but it was interesting it was anyway (laughs) Let me see what that book was called. Give me a second. Let me pull it up because I still have it. I still, because I, I didn't finish reading it. Um, okay. So the book is called Ruthless People by J.J. McAvoy. Everyone knows that I love J.J. McAvoy, especially her book, The Prince's Bride. Love that series. Yeah. And that one, so that one had a little role reversals and I was like, Ooh, something different, but it just feels like it's the same thing like it's just the same thing over and over again it's just misogyny it's just if you lay a hand on her I'll kill you type of vibe like which is fun at first but now it's just like how many times can we do this over and over and over again which is very interesting because I'm definitely gonna contradict myself later in this episode (laughs) anyway so I'm getting tired of the mafia books I'm getting tired of the mafia tropes as a reader me personally if you vibe with that great I just currently I think maybe I just need a breather. Maybe I need a breather from it. Maybe that's what it is. So the next trope that I hate as a reader, I hate the pregnancy trope. And I know a lot of people hate the pregnancy trope. And I feel like I do not like, I'm on the scale of loving the pregnancy trope to I refuse to read the book if there is a pregnancy trope. I am somewhere in the middle. Like, I feel like I don't have that strong of a hatred for it. It just feels like inconvenient. Like, it feels like, you know, because then the female main character does not have as much agency in her narrative because it's like she she always has to be cognizant of her body she always has to be cognizant of baby safety she can't do as much if she was like a badass archer or a sword fighter like she can't do that now i feel like if the character so if the character's main 
allure is not her physical abilities like her ability to shoot things and kill things with swords and stuff like that then it's like kind of okay because you know if she's an artist like she can still paint like she can still do her thing you know what i mean when she's pregnant but if her whole like the whole like a big part of the character is her fighting or doing something physical that she will not be able to do while pregnant or or even like if the characters are on the run don't make your character pregnant because <laughs> that's gonna stress me out and the whole focus of the book is gonna be keeping her safe now instead of keeping everybody safe you know because she is now two people what was i saying right so i feel like if the character's safety is not at risk if she is not known for her physical abilities of like fighting or whatever or doing like life-threatening death-defying stunts then it's fine like then if she's just a painter or if she's i don't know like then it's like cool because the pregnancy might not be like the central focus of the story now some books that i will not mention because it would be a spoiler use the pregnancy trope to their advantage and it feels like it's not the pregnancy trope in that instance what i mean by this i'm i'm gonna try to give as much hints as possible without spoiling the book that i'm thinking of when the pregnancy is unexpected when it makes the relationships more complicated because you know maybe you're trying to get out of that relationship then then it's then it's like wow you just blew my mind like it adds another layer of intrigue another layer of like drama i hope you figured out what book i'm talking about if you've read that book anyway <laughs> that's what i'm saying i just feel like when it's just like thrown in there because it's like oh i don't know what to do now so she's pregnant or i don't know i feel like that's not true when you're a writer you don't just add things that you don't know what to do next you do it because you think that's where the story would go or you see that character's arc journey including that but I personally don't care for it if the character's life is at stake in any capacity throughout the book series, either even like including before she got pregnant. So the last trope that I hate as a reader, but I kind of think it's like a little bit of a necessary evil, like, I don't know. But I hate, in romance books I'm talking about, the third act breakup. So the third act breakup is like when you got 50 pages left in the book and everything is hunky-dory, everything is great, and you know you got 50 pages left in the book, you know something's about to go wrong. Like, you know something's about to go wrong. It's just, <laughs> there's too many pages for it just to be filled with happy, smiling memory time. So the third act breakup is when you got those 50 pages left and something goes wrong. Usually the characters get into, fight, into a fight, they break up, a lot of this has overlap of like miscommunication trope or secrets are exposed kind of thing. And it's just so frustrating because it's like at this point in the book, the characters have gone through so much to get to this point that you feel like they've been through enough. Don't put them through anymore. Like, please just let them be happy. Let them be, let them have a good time together. Like, show me the happy times or just end the book. Like, don't add extra pages just for fun yeah i don't know i don't really like it but sometimes it feels like it's a necessary evil i feel like with all these i'm like there's a caveat or you know i hate this but sometimes i don't like <laughs> i feel like that's what i did basically for all of these anyway i i just i don't really like the third act breakup like i don't think all the books need them and it's kind of annoying that all romance books most majority of the romance books have them like why do all of them have to have this like Ugh, I don't know but sometimes I do like it sometimes I'm like no or sometimes here's the thing 
<laughs> if it was building up to that that whole time, like if you knew like dramatic irony style, like you knew there was a secret that the other character didn't know, and then you have a third act breakup, then it's like okay, because it's like yeah, that makes sense. But if like all of a sudden a new person is introduced or blah 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 blah, something different happens, then I think like you don't need that third act breakup unless the whole plot has been building up to that point. I don't think it needs to be all like sudden like you betrayed me you know what I mean like I don't I don't know I don't really care for it that much let's move on to the tropes that I like as a reader um, and most of these tropes are romance tropes <laughs> actually I think they're all romance tropes <laughs> I read a lot of romance books um I do it, and they're not here's the thing I feel like I'm not really I feel like I talked about this in my other episode, is reading romance books embarrassing? And I, I read them mainly because it feels like, you know, a form of escapism. Like I'm, I don't know, like I'm just having a good time. I'm reading it to be entertained. I'm reading it to turn off my brain. Because um, contrary to popular belief, you can turn off your brain while you're reading. And I do while reading romance books. The first romance trope that I like is enemies to lovers. Enemies to lovers is so much fun because it's like there's tension in the beginning and they get like bickering type of thing and then like they they start to like each other but then they like resent the fact that they like each other and then they like each other and it feels like their relationship is stronger because they, they didn't like each other in the beginning um sometimes enemies to lovers is not done that well where they're not like true enemies like they just like slightly dislike each other or maybe the female lead was like ah he hates me or I hate him and then he like never hated her I sometimes like that sometimes I'm like this is not enemies to lovers this is just misunderstanding to lovers <laughs> you know um but sometimes I'm I'm down with it it just depends but some recommendations for enemies to lovers the hating game by Sally Thorne the unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren and from Lukov with love from Mariana Zap Zapata Zapata. Reminds me of shoes in Spanish. Zapatos. <laughs> I I most recently read from Lukov with Love. That was about ice skating, figure skating. That was really nice. They were like figure skating partners. Love that. Next, childhood friends to lovers. Or simply friends to lovers. I feel like you can group them together. Both of them is very interesting. And I think what makes it interesting is that risk factor. You know where you are not sure if you should tell your feelings like the characters are not sure because they don't want to mess up the relationship that they have as friends right because that friendship is such an integral part to their life and i kind of like like the stakes that that puts into the book um that's what makes it interesting to me so some recommendations for that is people we met on vacation by emily henry and josh and hazel's guide to not falling in love by mm, i believe that's by christina lauren let me double check psych <laughs> the title is not josh and hazel's guide to not falling in love it's josh and hazel's guide to not dating by christina lauren those two are really good friends to lovers books the next trope that i like i love me a good royalty book like i love me a good book about royalty i don't really know if you would call this a trope but i'm gonna call it a trope for this episode i love a book that has some royalty some her highness your highness type stuff in it my favorite one is The Princess Bride by J.J. McAvoy, which I talked about earlier in the episode. I also, like, if we're talking about YA, I love the selection series by Kiera Cass. That is, like, dynamite. Will always have a place in my heart. Obviously, Sarah J. Mass's Throne of Glass series is also a good one that has, like, 
princes and princesses and stuff in it. Oh, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass also has, is it royalty? Like, it's a, it's a fantasy, so it's like their own version of royalty kind of thing. Yeah, I love, you know, who doesn't love playing dress up in your mind with the book? Like, who doesn't love the drama of the court? Who doesn't love the drama of a ball? Like, I love that. <laughs> I think it's so fun. Um, it reminds me of Bridgerton. Bridgerton is great. Bridgerton is fun, especially Queen Charlotte. Oh my god. If you love Queen Charlotte, then you like this trope. Like, don't play games. You would love The Prince's Bride by J.J. McAvoy. Go read it right now. And I especially love that one because the female love interest is a black woman and they talk about like bonnets and lace fronts and other things about being black. <laughs> um, they talk about racism in that book. Like, that book is dynamite. And it was like the first romance book in a while that I had read where I felt like, yes, this black girl is a real black girl, not no black girl that they put in here to be like, and she's also black. Look at the diversity in our story. Like, <laughs> this was like being black was central to her identity. Being black means she was afraid to put her bonnet on before bed, so she went to sleep with him in like her hair, afraid she's gonna mess it up. I don't remember if that actually happened in the book. I might actually be making that up, but things similar to that happened. <laughs> okay, moving on. Forbidden Love. I like Forbidden Love. I think it adds the same amount of angst, the same amount of tension, the same amount of stakes that childhood friends or friends to lovers adds. Um, a little bit more dramatic because it's like, oh, if they get caught, like, there are consequences. Um, but I like that. I think that's fun. A recommendation for that trope is Twisted Games by Anna Huang. That book, like, that book is a part of a series, like, stand a standalone series. Like, they're all romance books that follow romances in the same universe. But Twisted Games is the best. Um, honestly, you don't even need to read the other ones. Like, they're good if you, like, want to. But Twisted Games, you could read that and stop there. Because that one is... <laughs> If you start with that one, don't even bother reading the other ones. <laughs> Maybe read that one, like, I don't know, in order or something if you want to read the other ones. But if you don't, like, Twisted Games is the, it's really good. Okay, so the last trope that I like, that I love, whatever. I, I like fake marriages or, like, fake dating type of thing. Like, thinking, like, the Spanish love deception. Because why why i don't know <laughs> i don't know why i like it i just think it's so funny it has like that forced proximity element to it it has putting on an act i think i think what's fun about it is the part where they put on an act and then that that point in the book where they can't tell if they're putting on an act or if they're being genuine um i think it's more fun when the person who's putting on that can't tell if they're being genuine anymore versus the person who's like into them can't tell if they're putting on an act because that feels like kind of manipulative-y or like, like that would be upsetting. If that was me, I'd be upset about that. That would be very upsetting. <laughs> but I think the best part why I like fake dating or fake marriage books is because there is that like confession scene in every single one where they're like, I don't want it to be fake anymore. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that is top tier. That, that's what I'm looking for in the book. So when I said earlier that I was like, I don't like um, the amnesia plot because it's, or the pregnancy trope or mafia books because it's like, been there, done that, I know what's about to happen. If you do it well enough and I know it's about to happen but I'm still enjoying myself, like, what's the problem with that? 
There's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like I, I highlighted those tropes, specifically amnesia, mafia, and pregnancy books as ones that I don't like because more often than not, when I encounter those tropes, uh, and I like it's predictable. I'm not having a good time. Like I don't finish the book. But fake marriage and fake dating, um, enemies to lovers, childhood friends, friends to lovers. Even though they're predictable, I'm still having a good time. So I feel like that's the distinction between liking a trope and hating a trope for me, at least. Okay. So to finish out this section about tropes and recommendations with these tropes, these are some. Here's some tropes that I. I could take it or leave it. Like, they're sometimes they're really good, they're bangers. Sometimes it's like, ooh, it's fine. Who's all right? The chosen one trope. That's, you know, like there's one hero and only they can save the day. That one's all right. I feel like a lot of Sarah J. Mass books have that, specifically the Throne of Glass series. I enjoyed that series. Obviously, that's the series that made me fall in love with Sarah J. Mass. Um, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes it's like, I want to know more about more than just the chosen one. Like, I want to know about the other people, too. Another trope that I could take or leave is work romance. Work romance, I know I recommended the hating game. The hating game is a work romance. Um, but I feel like sometimes it's like, it's just bleh, you know? Like, it's just, it's just all right. Um, having a rich male lead, rich love interest as the man, that like, you know, like a billionaire one. That one, there are some ones where I really, really like them. And sometimes I'm like, <sighs> like, you know, it's not adding nothing to it. It's just like easing her financial problems and stuff like that. And I know, you know, Rich Man, Poor Girl is a classic. And I also feel like I would give an exception for K-dramas here because I do like that trope in K-dramas. But in books, it's just like, sometimes it's just like overdone, it feels like. But sometimes I like it. Dystopians or dystopia books, they, I feel like with dystopias, there was like such an influx of them when I was in middle school. Like there were so many and I read so many of them that I kind of like don't care for them anymore. Um, and it's like really hard to impress me with those types of books because I've read so many of them, uh, which is why I can like take it or leave it. If it's a dynamite dystopian book, then I mean, obviously there's exceptions. The final trope that I can take or leave, I kind of talked about a little bit earlier. It's when characters, specifically the main character, I'm not talking about the char the comic relief character, when the main character has a tragic past. Now, I understand. I think, you know, it adds a little bit of flavor to the plot. It adds a little bit of backstory about why the story is happening in the first place. But it feels like when the tragic past becomes woe is me, woe is me for the whole book, then I'm no longer into it. But if the tragic past is like slowly un unraveled, like slowly revealed more and more throughout the book, then I'm into it. Then I'm invested. Like when you didn't even, like when you thought the character had a tragic past and then it turns out to be even more tragic, like, <gasps> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Specifically talking about... Is this a spoiler? I don't think so. Specifically talking about the Throne of Glass series. Like, that's doing it right. That's doing a tragic past right. Okay. So now I kind of want to transition to move to talking about how I feel about tropes as a writer. Now, it feels like... I don't know. Tropes as a writer feels pretty limiting because sometimes it feels like you need to write to the trends write to the trending tropes um and when you do that it feels like you lose sight of what your story is about 
when you're simplifying it down to these these couple of words, these, you know, enemies to lovers. Like, that's three words. When you simplify a whole book down to those three words, it feels like it's it's an injustice for the story and also the writing process as a whole. Um, and I know you're probably like, well, then Sydney, just don't think about it. Like, just write the book. Like, it's not that easy. Like, you obviously want your book to be successful and you are responsible as a writer of, like, pitching your book to other people. So you have to have these tropes in your mind if you want to be published in a traditional format. Because these tropes have a huge, huge, huge influence on marketing your book. You know, publishers are looking for books that match up with the trending tropes. And they're not just looking for books that match up with the trending tropes that are currently trending. They're looking for books that match up with tropes that have been trending like consistently that always are popular and also trends that are that might emerge later on because the book publishing process takes so long and then there's this thing called metadata which is the bane of my existence um metadata is basically like a bunch of information about your book like simplified down to keywords that's a simplified definition but that's basically what it is so it's like you would say romance or um sports romance or enemies to lovers like these tropes are included in the metadata and that's what helps your book get picked up online like you know people can find your book if they search enemies to lovers book recommendations your book might pop up or is more likely to pop up if you put that trope in your metadata tag i enjoy the categorization that these tropes provide when you're like writing or even like looking for books to read but it's still, like I said earlier, it makes like boiling down these stories to just a couple of words feels kind of sad, but then also like in the same vein, like it's good for people to be able to find the books that they're interested in because you can just type in like sports romance and a bunch of books will pop up under that trope or a category kind of thing. But sometimes it makes me feel like if all these books can fall under this category, under this trope, it's like, are we just rewriting the same stories over and over and over again? That is like, ugh. But I don't think so. I think it really comes down to the characters and the pieces of yourself as a writer that you're inserting into the story is what makes, this is what makes every story feel brand new. You know, when you have characters in your story that your readers are actively invested in, or even you as a writer are invested in. But here's the thing, like I said earlier in the episode, sometimes I just enjoy a mind numbing book about enemies to lovers that is predictable because it kind of like relaxes me when I'm stressed out or my like real life is unpredictable. So when my real life is unpredictable, reading these books that are predictable is kind of like therapeutic for me. Because I think as long as it makes me like laugh or giggle or gasp, like I have no problem reading virtually the same narrative over and over again if that's what I'm in the mood to read or if that's what I crave reading at that moment. So do with all that what you will. Um, I'm going to wrap the episode up there. Don't forget to leave a review if you've been enjoying the Jumbo Podcast episode so far. Um, also, don't forget to check out the podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Yes, that's right. I've uploaded something on all three platforms <laughs> at Jumbo Podcast. So all three platforms is the same at Jumbo Podcast. Anyway, stay cool. Drink water. It's pretty hot out there, guys.